Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the stir-crazy uncle of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who could put a few skiving snack boxes to good use. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? Doing well, Sarah. I am just thankful that I don't have uh, a screaming portrait of my mother that I have to deal with on a regular basis, <laughs> though I think what she would say would be a lot more pleasant in general uh, than what, what Sirius has to deal with. Be As, reassured that we do not have that level of super glue so that you wouldn't have a recourse <laughs> in that scenario. As someone who has also just inherited a house from uh, a, a loved one, I'm on the lookout for the portrait. There's a room I haven't entered yet, but there is, however, a deeply creepy stuffed crocodile in a basement room that I can't quite figure out what to do with. I was going to say, when you and, say stuffed you know, crocodile... Also, keep... Go ahead. Okay. Alligator. Sure, but, but I assume this isn't a plushie. It depends on how capacious your definition of plushy is, I suppose. Is this a a it was it was was it formerly? Does it have armor? An alligator. I believe at one point it was among the living. Yes. Interesting. Actually, now that I think about it, if we if we were in the Harry Potter world now, I think this might be a good donation to Fred and George's cause. I think so too. But also, if your husband ever really decides to make the move down to Florida, he should take that on a leash and. and Take it for walks. <laughs> I'm trying to decide whether that would be, you know, using one of those like stiff leashes um, to make sure that it stays in front of him, or if he just drags it behind him down the sidewalk. Oh, you just put wheels on the stomach. <laughs> Perfect. So you wouldn't know it, but we are here on uh, chapter six of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix uh, called The Noble and Most Ancient House of Black. And we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid-fire recap, BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer, we award house points, and then there are questions and queries and qualms and quibbles, um, which we are still in the relatively early chapters of this book, so I am still delighted to answer. So we got a weird little chapter for ourselves here. Yeah, Sarah, in terms of your initial segment... How much time do you think you need? Because it's a longer chapter than average. There is a lot of text, but it's a lot of text of people doing things for several pages straight. Yeah, there's not a lot of like... Wait, you just said that, so there's not a lot of hap that happens, but it's a lot of <laughs> pages of people th doing things. There's only so many times you can read, and then I sprayed the doxy with some doxicide. We get a lot of pages of that. I get what you're saying. There's no We plot. need to fully experience yeah. exactly how many doxies are in, in these curtains. And the only way to do that is through a sort of performative yes. act of writing the death of each doxie. I feel like if, if, this, if this chapter appears in the movie, all of it will be condensed into a, no more uh, than a that five would be scene. That would be a really funny like <laughs> novella or, or short story, Harry Potter and the Death of the Doxies. <laughs> Well, we are in a very True sort crime. of Poe-like setting here, so... I. It's not crime. It doesn't matter if they're magical creatures. They don't <laughs> matter, and it's fine to, to kill and but, whatever you want with them. Before reading one it. chapter prior in this book, if I saw the, the headline, Harry Potter and the Death of the Doxies, I would have assumed a very different series of murders was going on. <laughs> 
Well, Sarah, what's your bet? So, bets, estimates. Um, I don't... I guess I'll put a bet in. Um, why not? I'm going to bet one minute and 50 seconds. One fifty. All right. I did not practice this uh, particularly well today, so this is a... A little bit aspirational, we'll say, like, but we'll like see how Harry it goes. Roast the occasion of spraying doxies in the face with poison. I am sure that you will you will be able to accomplish your objectives here. Okay, well let's we'll we'll figure right. it out. Assuming you're ready, the stopwatch is too. So just let us know. Mrs. Weasley has sent them all to bed, and Ron bars the door against Creature before they start to debrief. Fred and George apparate in, and much discussion on what the weapon could be occurs. Whatever it is, it's probably at Hogwarts. The next morning, the kids are put to work with Doxyside, de-infesting the curtains. Sirius and Mrs. Weasley are being careful with each other. Sirius thinks there's a boggart in the writing desk. Mrs. Weasley turns to Gilderoy Lockhart's advice on Doxies, and they get to work, although the twins smuggle a few out for experience, experiments with skiving snack boxes. There are still some hiccups, but they are selling. They look toward a cabinet full of all kinds of sketchy stuff, uh, but put it off until after lunch. Members of the orders are coming. Members of the order are coming in and out. Molly loses her mind when Mundungus tries to store some stolen cauldrons there. Creature shuffles in and muttering expletives about mudbloods and blood traders. Sirius comes in and is kind of terrible to Creature and accuses him of squirreling away dark family heirlooms. He shuffles out again, still muttering. Hermione is horrified at Sirius's interaction with Creature and wants him to set the house elf free, but he knows too much and wouldn't be able to function anyway. Harry notices a moth-eaten tapestry, the noble and most ancient house of black, and the motto, Toujours Pure. The whole family is there, except for Sirius and Tonks' mom, who were blasted off as black sheep. Sirius runs through the list of Death Eaters and Purebloods and Purification Sympathizers. Sirius's brother Regulus was killed after trying to back out of the Death Eaters. We also get some of the incestuous nature of Pureblood families. Sirius is related to Tonks, and they're all related to the Malfoys, and Bellatrix Lestrange. Sirius is trying to purge some of this history by giving the house to the Order. He wishes he could do something else useful and offers to escort Harry to his hearing. They move on to clearing the shelves and find all kinds of terrible stuff, which Creature keeps trying to abscond with. The next day, pa days pass similarly, and Harry dreams, keeps dreaming of corridors and locked doors. And then it's the night before the hearing. Molly lets get slip that Dumbledore came by the house and didn't ask to see Harry. It doesn't bode well. Exactly 150 and like three microseconds. Bravo. <laughs> this is, our, our listeners do not know this and probably do not care, but I do want to point out that we are recording this um, over Skype, which has put some interesting ways of being with each other in the world, uh, which means that the three of us are are sitting, well, we've been sitting in various places. The upshot of all of this is that I absolutely cannot see the stopwatch. So it was a thousand percent a wing and a prayer that that worked. And I am deeply pleased with myself. Crookshanks level pleased with myself. Well done, sir. So, <laughs> BJ, what are you wheezing about? I've never heard this phrase before, and it is fairly evocative, but very funny, having Mad-Eye have a shifty at it before we let it out. Um, <laughs> I like that. But still sort of deeply confusing. Um, I, you did bring this up in your uh, summary, but I, I do appreciate that we have uh, another reference to Gilderoy Lockhart's uh, garbage publications. And uh, not only that, but Mrs. Weasley's uh, semi-obsession with them. <laughs> I will also mention, yes, I will also mention that you didn't mention in your summary that they are also related to the Weasleys, um, which... I love that she hasn't given it up. <laughs> them or, it's, like, Tonks is also part of a purebred noble family. 
Yes, mm-hmm. they are. It, it, it is so weird to imagine the Weasleys are technically a pure-blood noble family. It, 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 right. But, like, she's part of the black family. Well, yeah. Tonk, Tonks is a yep. half-breed, isn't she? Yeah, she yeah. yeah she is not a pure-blood. Um, but her, her mom was, and her mom was, like, deeply in with, was it the Blacks or the Malfoys? I think all of them are basically within a half a connection of each other. Well, yeah. I, I yeah, I just didn't know from whence specifically she yes. sprang. <laughs> um until the marriage to Tom Tonks, uh another of the lazy alliterations we get. <laughs> I love it though. I just want to meet someone walking around in the world with the name Tom Tonks. <laughs> if your name is Tom Tonks, please send us a message. Um <laughs> I feel like we're going to have to spend a little bit of time at some point uh, outside of, of my wizard wheezes on uh, toujours pure because uh, always pure is is almost like uh, Gebot's the, the German purity laws, uh, most notably uh, for beer, but uh, might have been applied to other things in the past. Um, and, and this is a little bit sort of on point for uh, a lot of the things that we are probably going to get into very soon in these books. Um, one of the other things that, that I thought was very amusing where Sirius is talking sort of about like all of the things that happened with his brother and then after this sort of revelation of, of sort of all of the, the things, you know, presumably somebody in the Order of Killing His Brother, Mrs. Weasley's like, so lunch? How about lunch? Like it's done? what she it's yes. what she knows how to do yes. in terms yes. of reassuring people. Yes. If it had been a different hour of the day, it would have been tea. Mm-hmm. Yep. How mm-hmm. about tea? Jesus. Sit. I want to go back very briefly to have a shifty, BJ, because the internet has asked about this phrase specifically in in this moment, um, and. One of the answers um, that seems to be researched, at least to the extent that part of it comes from the Cockney rhyming site and part of it comes from the Free Dictionary, which is good enough for our purposes, um, is that the phrase have a shifty at is actually a derivation of the phrase have a shifty at. And that comes from the Arabic word shufti, which means have you seen? The word was apparently brought into the English language by British sh- soldiers serving in the Middle East and is used as a slang expression for take a look. So that was fascinating. Actually, legitimately, thank you for that. I, just, I love the origin of words going going those kind of routes. Yeah, this is I it's I like that this is both like slang and wrong and colonialism. <laughs> as so much of English language and culture is. Yeah, we've really just purified it down into its essence. Uh, anything further on Wizard Weezes, BJ? Yeah, I mean, a couple of other things. I, I really enjoyed, like, the random evil things that they're just finding. It's uh, a The music box uh, that emitted a fairly sinister tinkling tone when wound, and they all found themselves being curiously weak until Jim, Ginny slammed it shut. Um, <laughs> the heavy locket, which we don't know about, the ancient seals, um, and a robe that tried to strangle Ron, I think it mm-hmm. was. Uh, mm-hmm. Like a lot of random things that just don't seem quite right. Uh, but there is one thing that I, I want to mention 
that will have questions later, but I think it's very funny that apparently you could buy your way into the uh, <laughs> Order of Merlin first class. Uh-huh. As a certain um, black ancestor which, did, yes. Which is very funny, and it sort of makes me wonder, I could totally see uh, that Dumbledore spends all of his money collecting titles. Oh, God, that would be <laughs> like he He knows that he's sort of worthy of them, but also just like, What's he going to spend his money on other than, like, butterbeer, maybe? I, like, <laughs> presumably everybody essentially lives at Hogwarts because why have them have lives outside Hogwarts when you don't have to? And mm. sure. he, I guess he buys new robes. It's not like he's buying the, the latest and greatest broom. I, I don't know. There, there, there is part of me that just wants to uh, sit and speculate with you guys of what does... Dumbledore do with his pay. Yeah. The theory is as good as mine. We also never right. get we never get any indication of what teachers at Hogwarts are actually paid. Are they paid? Right, because like I I don't know. We, I mean, we, is is anybody in the wizarding world paid? I mean, there is money. We know that they have bank accounts. <laughs> are are the teachers at Hogwarts just a very a certain category of house elf? They're just they're just bound to the institution and have to keep working there. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's how everything works. You just get bound to an institution at some point, and the only thing that actually makes money is is uh, in the alleyways. Okay, so apparently Hogwarts... I have no idea what what, the what this website is. But uh, because Hogwarts is funded by the Ministry of Magic, this site decided that its teachers must make about about as much as other educational professionals in the UK, which comes to somewhere in the thirty-two dollars to $47,000 range. And if they're making that on top of room and board, that's not terrible. But what is that? how does that translate to the wagon wheel-sized galleons that, that we, I think, con- con- conveniently forgot about because it would have been yeah. crazy. Is that essentially... Let's see, dollar to galleon converter. Hold on. Inflation-adjusted galleons. <laughs> okay, so thirty-seven thousand dollars. And to be very clear, they are they do are doing it on a specific date. So this is like inflation it, it, adjusted. It, is it is it dollars or pounds? Um, I'm going from dollars. It's a good thing they weren't in Ireland, otherwise they'd have a euro. Why does conversion. this not tell me thirty-seven thousand U.S. dollars <laughs> equals? Right? I don't know why. <laughs> this um, this is great radio. <laughs> Do you think that there are magical in- investments that they can put their like extra galleons for retirement into, or is it just like <laughs> it goes like to doobies dotes while we're doing this? <laughs> yeah, I this website is not okay working particularly well for me right now. So uh, move on. Uh. Well, I mean, for Newbie's notes, this is honestly a pretty idling chapter. This feels like a chapter that an editor might recommend cutting if we're having a bit of a problem with work with too many with too many pages in the book or when we're adapting it to the screen. It kind of amounts to. But as we know, we are past the point at which editors did anything to J.K. Rowling's. No, work. no. Sh- I'm pretty sure that they had serious notes on punctuation after the last one uh, because <laughs> much less to talk about. There is a distinct change in punctuation in this book compared to mm. the last one. What? Interesting. At least in terms of story, I, I agree, Sarah. I think she's in the George Lucas phase where no one can ever comment to her about anything for the possible detriment. We'll see. Uh, the fact that most of this chapter is spent fighting doxies just very much amuses me, given my only prior association or you know knowledge of that word before this book. 
Um, but one other thing I found interesting is that we just very casually get another drop that the women in the Weasley family are unexpectedly and surprisingly magically powerful. Is that we've seen before with Molly Weasley that she's just very casually gifted. This is the first time we've had Jenny sit, uh, indicated to be, like, apparently, even according to her brothers, very dangerous when, you know, thwarted. So it's, it's, it's notable that that data point keeps coming up. The... I mean, they're also part of a very powerful magical family that were seriously big players and have crazy-ass names that, Spencer, you probably want to start some red strings for. I'm going to need to keep track of that, as well as when the Weasleys had their fall from grace, because I assume at some point in the past they were a more powerful family, whereas now they're not much more than just low-level civil servants. When you say fall from grace, I mean you're basically comparing them to... I am judging them within the standards of society by which, say, the Mother Black might judge them. Sure, sure. When did they fall out of high society? When did they lose the respect of what were previously their peers? We'll come to that one on questions. Uh, I'm with you, BJ, that the idea that they keep on fighting humanoid creatures as part of basic pests is getting increasingly horrifying. Uh, Gnomes was bad enough. Little strange pixie-like creatures that hide behind the curtains and bite you. Dark furry. Dark furry and poisonous. Yes. is very weird, disconcerting, and uncomfortable. Um, also very on-brand that Hermione is very much like, meh, these don't really matter. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. If she can have a conversation with them, she cares. If they yes. can't actually communicate with her, if they don't display certain minimum criteria for sentience, they mean nothing to her. It's a little bit more of a problem. Yes. Uh, I'm also with you that the fact that Gilderoy Lockhart's reputation appears apparently unaffected by events in prior books amuses me. Do you think... Well, to, to Molly Weasley, That was to my be question. Fair. So, like, she had an obsession with him. She has an obsession with, you know... Pretty uh, blonde boys on covers of books? Sure. I was going to say also, like, Pulp Fiction paperbacks and stuff like that. So, you know, that she has come away from uh, the Daily Prophet is, like, a big oh, deal. Yeah. She, she has progressed farther than we normally expect of most stay-at-home British housewives. Yeah. It's, it's legitimately remarkable. I, I am left to ponder, though, do we have any idea or concept how long this doxicide lasts? Because it seems like they just give them one spray to the face, and they're just content that these things will be down until further relevant to the plot. It seems like it is weirdly a a concentrated like chemical yeah. version of the spell that Gilderoy Lockhart was trying to teach them in book two. This is true, actually. That's good. That's a good comparison. And vi- not that that answers your question at all. Um, no, it, it, it exi- it's irrelevant. It's not. It is. It has no no effect on the ongoing plot. They are out for as long as this is necessary for a later joke of when the twins get poisoned by their. This own is stupidity. set phasers. Set phasers <laughs> to stun part of of uh, Harry Potter. Very, very much th- that. Yes. <laughs> um, but it actually worked. I, one of the things, among the, there was not much in the way of too surprising in this chapter. One of the things that was, Harry is the secret investor for the twins on their scheming project of, you know, skiving (laughs) snack boxes and everything else. It's like, dude, let me explain the concept of aiding and abetting. This is a potential liability concern down the way for you (laughs) investing in this kind of organization, given their chosen means of making money. I mean, but we already have, like, crazy things being out and about in the Harry Potter world as snacks, like, uh... The acid pops? The (laughs) jelly... Yeah, like the jelly bean, every flavor 
birdies, bots, every flavor beans, and and like other stuff that wouldn't make it past sort there, of anything. There is no FDA uh, in the Wizarding World, clearly. Sure, and and like and the other side of it is like it is nice that there's like a tie-in for for this plot because Harry was seriously uncomfortable with his money and looking for a place to park it. So you know, it's really nice that mm-hmm. like he's done it in a way and in a place that well, it's not like he's getting a side plot. It's not like apparently he's getting investment proceeds from this. It suggests yeah. he just gave them the cash. It was a donation, I think. And he is thrilled with what it's being used for, which yeah. is, uh, like, I find delightful. In several chapters where Harry is just angsty about things, him getting a real kick out of this was pretty cool. I I understand that. I support his need for some means of blowing off stress. I'm also fully with their mom that these guys are wasting their talents. They are the only inventors that exist in the wizarding world, and they're using it for the purpose of creating artificial nosebleeds to get out of class. Sure, but like, it's still magic advancement. That is a way of referring to what is happening. I'm with you there. (laughs) I'm legitimately depressed that that is apparently the only investment that is occurring in this culture. Spencer, you are the most Molly Weasley of all of us. In so many ways, yes. Uh, one character I actually am very amused by is actually Creature. So apparently, I, I, I may be the only one based on the reaction of the characters in the book. But he's such, he's this weird Shakespearean walk-in of where he exists by communicating in just these asides that he's constantly throwing out. He's also just delightfully brazenly evil. We don't meet that much. Particularly people that are willing to admit it in, these, in this book, so where... He is evil, and he is very proud of that fact. In fact, if you ever tried to say something not, that he did something nice, he might be offended by you even going there. It also, I, he it gives a very interesting look into how, like, seriously, but also, like, not the house elves take their service, and, like, kind of what that okay. means that, mm-hmm. I mean, and we the, sort of got in the past, but, like, that he's not running to report on what they're doing, is clearly <laughs> like how how important the the bond of a house elf to the family is which i mean we've talked a lot about like house elves and and mm-hmm. things about them um i'm sort of hoping that we get more about this because it is more and more plot relevant like how house elves get sort of tied to people places etc yeah, we actually do get end up getting more about house elves in this book if you weren't clued into that fact by the idea that Hermione immediately latched onto a creature's quote unquote plight. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I what I do kind of to your point, Spencer, what I do like about creature, although he's a kind of thoroughly unpleasant being well, in the world, um, I do like that. He is, we see other house elves um, periodically, but he is the third of the three house elves that we spend any like significant time with. And I just think he's such an interesting triangulation with Dobby and Winky and now Creature. Um, Like that's an interesting representation of what else house elves are and how they feel about their servitude and their families that they serve, and what it means to be a house elf. There are three very different approaches. I, I like, too, that as a result of the kind of the philosophical war that's going on inside of his head, that he's loyal to the house, but outright despises Sirius, 
he comes across as having more of an identity than almost any of the house elves we've met previously. Because Mm -hmm. though he's beholden to this cause because it's the family, the family itself has turned against the cause. And so so much of the asides are actually just his own desires coming to a play from years of built-in servitude and experience with that cause. So Mm -hmm. in some ways... In some ways, he's embodying, you know, Hermione's objectives for house elves of where he has actually decided what he wants to do in life. It's not a cause that she wants him to have, but it seems very much like it's his choice at this point. And he is certainly more than more than either Winky or even Dobby has taken it as kind of his mission to figure out... How do I do what I want to do, whether that is like free will or a sort of Stockholm syndrome from being in servitude to this like truly terrible family um, for the entirety of ex- his existence? How do I do what I want to do within the magical rules bounding <laughs> what I can do? Um, Which is also very weird based on what what does family mean? Mm-hmm. Because Tonks is he get he just decides that Tonks isn't part of the family, so I get to ignore her. Yeah. And which also makes things really interesting because, like, could Sirius just go into the Black household and start, like, ordering their house elves around? I, oh, into, like, the Malfoys? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, into the Malfoys. Like, right. Like, do they have to have the last name? Probably I, not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Half, half siblings and up. Those are the rules of the house elves. Uh, I really also like creatures' categories that he assigns basically every one of the characters we've met inside this household into. Of where everyone mm-hmm. is a mudblood, a werewolf, a blood trader, or a thief. And honestly, that kind of does cover it. That really is pretty much everybody here. It's also the beginning of a really terrible joke that Dumbledore tells and never finishes. <laughs> it does feel like we're setting up the uh, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief is going to wrap up this category. <laughs> Um, uh, so do you think that, that all of the stuff that, that Creature is squirreling away, he calls his Creature Comforts? <laughs> I really hope he does now. I didn't think of that. That's delightful. <laughs> well, one of the things he tries to smuggle away but can't do just due to magical superglue actually makes probably my favorite scene in the chapter of where the tone, feeling, and pace of Sirius going through that family tree with Harry is great. It... Mm-hmm. There is such a bitter, lost melancholy associated with it throughout all of it that is excellently written out, excellently played. And I love the kind of exploration of history that we're unlocking with this, of how all of the various connections, of all of the various interrelations that make the people and families work. And even just the description of his own family as being basically in a pretty common category of non-active, fair-weather supporters of Voldemort. And how that was probably the most common category of supporters that Voldemort was really having, was people that were like, we support your cause, but we don't want to actually think about what has to go into it, really. Which is, it's interesting to get this sort of right. support and expansion in light of all of our conversations, especially in the last book, about, yeah. well, who was re- how many Death Eaters were there, really? And what does it mean you to be a it. Death Eater versus a supporter and, and all of that? And we're getting a little bit of that here, which I think is super smart. That, that if, if what, What's her first name again? The, uh, the, the mother of House Black? Do we know what her first name is? Mm-mm. I think we've only had her as as creature calls her mistress and Sirius begrudgingly calls her mother. We'll, we'll call her Mother Black then. If she had been alive long enough to be at the uh, the international games that happened a few books back, where the wizards, the dark wizards, suddenly marched and were to- were, were mm-hmm. torturing Muggles, I feel like she would have been in that crowd 
that then immediately dispersed once the actual sign of Voldemort appeared in the sky. Yeah, that feels right. Uh, one person who wouldn't have dispersed is a name drop that we haven't seen for a couple books. Uh, is it Bellatrix? Is that... Yep. Bellatrix Lestrange. I knew this person just because I remembered this person from showing up briefly in the Pensieve previously. But the book really wants me to remember this person. They're, every now and then the book just feels the need to do giant flashing lights around somebody's name of where this person will come up again. I need you to remember this data point. They were flashing those hard when it came to this character. As well as Sirius's reaction, too. Where Sirius just kind of brushes aside, yeah, my brother was killed by Voldemort. Yeah, my family were, basic, were, were basically really in league with this evil cause. Yeah, like a whole list of Death Eaters that are all involved in, my, in this extended family history. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, yeah, Bellatrix was strange. You related to her? Don't speak her name again. It's like, oh, dude, this one's got some trauma that we're not going into right now. Why is this person special in a way that everyone previously you've discussed just kind of merited yep. to shrug and a, and, a, and a guffaw? It's not laid out. We only previously saw her look kind of vaguely creepy in the background of the scene. But it seems apparent she's going to come up again and I should make, as you said, BJ, another red string going across the board for this person. Uh, I do very much enjoy the Little Shop of Horrors just kind of freak show they go through in the course of this chapter. BJ, you highlighted a few and I'm curious to put to the group which one we'd find the most horrifying. For, of course, we've got doxies. What do, we, what do you say about them? We've got a mini-legged pair of tweezers that likes to try to stab and bite people. That, that sort of <laughs> reminded me of... Uh... In the Matrix, where they had the, like the thing that went into his belly button, like, oh crawl- yeah, 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 sure, that, that mm. thing. Uh, the sinister music music box, which felt very you know eldritch horror kind of thing. Uh, the biting silver stuff box with wart cap powder. The ghoul in the toilet, which is not come back to or explained. It's just a ghoul in the toilet, apparently. It uh, is what it is. An old ghoul too. Uh, the sniping grandfather clock that's apparently fi- apparently firing springs at people, and the of course, firing bolts. Yeah, and the string... which I was really curious is that like a lightning bolt or like a, a screw bolt? I assumed it was basically cannibalizing itself to fire at people. Uh, we also have of course the strangling purple robes. Does anyone have an opinion about which of those, if actually confronted in your own home, you'd find the most terrifying? Um, I don't. I think it was supposed to be a, a choke cloak. <laughs> sure, yes, PJ. Answer my fucking question now. <laughs> um, the music box is in many ways sort of, like, it's the most, like, area of effect. And, like, somebody at somebody goes, oh, a cute music box. And everybody in the room, like, keels over. Yeah. And I sort of wonder what happens if it gets to the end of its song. Because I have this feeling that, like, everybody dies at the end of the song. I I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that the music box is the creepiest of these, partially because of how it was, like, the effects of it were described, mm-hmm. um, which were so different from everything else. All of the other things that they found are clearly dangerous, mm-hmm. frequently dark. Well, um, the cloak is 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 hard to, to know beforehand, but yes. Well, yeah, but they do in some ways kind of at least project what the pro- the problem is going to be. The fact that the music box lulled everyone except for Jenny into this sort of sense of well-being and security is, and we didn't get what the end game is, no thank you. 
No, sir. No, I'm very much with you. I love the mystery that's associated with the music box of where it's not explained. It's just an artifact, some forgotten bit of horror that they're just coming across as they're part of cleaning this home. It, music box really summarizes that this feels like a job for, for professionals. This feels like a, a job where you need to hire a company to come in and do this because if that level of artifact's just hanging out on a shelf, which seems like it's a, nothing good would happen at the end of that song, whether it's death or something yep. else, nothing. Something is written about in an evil fairy tale in terms of what happens at the end of that song. But nope, we're gonna we're gonna leave it to the teenagers, Spencer. And, and saved by one teenager, and I don't think it's perfectly explained why she wasn't affected either, other than to return to one of the first data points I offered. She probably had headphones on. She's a teenager. Um, if, if, if this has been set in modern times, yeah, her Bluetooth headphones saved saved her very much. I mean, she could have had a Sony Walkman. Like it's it's fine. Um. I mean, what what they really need to have is like a Molly's Maid service, where, <laughs> but which brooms come in and clean everything out or something. It, it, it makes for a fun series of events because it really does feel like, as I think Sirius summarizes, yeah. they are waging war on this house, and the house is very happy to fight yep. with them on it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, last point for me. Uh, yep. The hearings tomorrow, right? For Harry possibly not only being expelled from Hogwarts, but basically the Wizarding World. Yeah, at the end of this chapter, the the hearing is tomorrow. I really feel like they should have done some aspect of prep. Molly ironed his just clothing. Just something. Just, I know that they want to protect him from all of this, and they're afraid about giving him too many details, because maybe it'll lead to some kind of negative ruling from the hearing. But could you at least tell him where he sits, who's going to talk with him, what kind of questions they're going to ask? I feel like they could have done some form of witness prep here that would have just made the overall experience remarkably less potentially dangerous mm-hmm. it's often not what you know it's how you say it and yet they've given harry no degree of advice or guidance about what the panel's actually looking for and how he can avoid a negative outcome i feel like they're trying to go with harry's reactions and his incredulity to like what they're bringing up against him and and all of this other stuff it, the more genuine it is like the better it'll play with whoever is there and like that whole BS. But I definitely do agree with you that, like, having him prepped, having him... They don't know that he's not going to just start, like, literally, possibly cursing at the people at this trial. So it seems like a good idea to to do a little bit more prep. Even though, like, I can... If if this was a different type of book that had a, a viewpoint from somebody else, it'd be like, oh, you know, we want his unbridled opinion. We want that him to tug on the heartstrings of, you know, the people that are deciding his fate. And But yeah, uh, it's literally how he survived the last handful of books. So Harry, Harry's not the guy to pull that off. There's a certain kind of person of where winging it would serve him well. Harry has no prior documented history to indicate that that is a successful strategy. <laughs> and let's see how well that's gone. His body count is rapidly growing. Yeah, but not 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 him. He's still alive. Oh, gr- oh great. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, and actually, BJ, that feels like it's a data point they're going to use against him. That feels like evidence of prior behavior that might come <laughs> up. But we don't know whether they can bring up that evidence. We don't know whether he gets a counselor. We don't know whether he can bring witnesses. We don't even know how many people he's going to be talking to. Nor does he. It also feels like it has never occurred to him to ask the question. That is disturbingly fair, and I feel like they need to be aware of the fact that this special needs child needs someone else to ask those (laughs) questions for him. (laughs) 
But oh man, in, ter- in terms of other special needs child, uh, who Sarah, in your view, won and lost this chapter? So it's a it, again, it's a weird chapter for it that. Is. But I do have some thoughts on this, um, and I I have who. Who I think who I think it is, although I'm willing to entertain other other options. Um, I'm gonna start first with the winner of the chapter. I think Creature might have won this chapter. I think that there's something to be said for Ginny. I don't think she won, but like I feel like she needs to be mentioned at, yeah. at being useful. She was she was useful. She had a very good moment in this chapter. And the problem is that this is a chapter that where people just have sort of good or bad moments, more or less. Um, so I do think that we should give due to Jenny for potentially saving the lives of an entire family and hangers on. Uh, um, Molly got to yell at Mundungus. True, but she did also seem like genuinely annoyed. So I'm... <laughs> This is kind of getting towards why I think Creature has to win, is just that we can say a lot of people had a moment, but most of them were just kind of skating through and having that one moment. Creature got to speak shit to everyone and nobody got to do anything about it for an entire chapter. You also know that he smuggled a bunch of shit out of there, too. We only hear about the times he was caught, but come on. He's been doing this nonstop for the last few years, probably. I don't even want to know yeah. what his collection of creature comforts is hidden up in the, uh, hidden up the rafters of the house. Does Creature ever go into the, the service, into uh, service for Percy? Because they feel like they'd make a really good duo. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see that. I'll have to think about whether they, they ever come in contact with each other on screen anyway. Um, loser... I would put forth serious. Is a little bit harder, but that is my, who who my thought is too. He's, they, these chapters are just really rough for him. He's not yeah. in a good place. Mm-hmm. It's more like he hasn't lost. He's just depressed. Well, yeah. We're seeing how low he was yeah. even coming in. I mean, it's, yeah. it's increasingly apparent how much he feels like the last survivor, the last man standing in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And the fact that for so much of that, it's just something that he just is able to just kind of brush aside and describe almost like an historian recounting, just go really depicts the level of just loss and trauma that is built into his psyche. I also feel like Sirius is kind of, maybe not a stand-in, but kind of a glimpse of what could be in Harry's future. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's part of the reason that Molly doesn't want the two of them spending... That's a really good point. I, I think it's part of the reason Molly doesn't, doesn't want the two of them spending time together. I think she can already read the tea leaves in that regard of where it would not take much for Harry to go down this path. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's a great point. I think that Molly wants to be able to envision a different future for him, and having Sirius around in this way is part of the reason that they end up butting heads so much. Um, all right, well, I'm Sarah, I'm very much with you when it comes to your choices. Are you ready for at least a couple questions? Let's lay them on me. Uh, well, the first ones I brought up. Do we have any basis to know what the prior history of the Weasley family has been, and whether their kind of current state of scraping by and being looked down upon by the rest of the pureblood world is a more recent event or much more longer-term family history? You know, not, not really. Um... We do. I can see if I can maybe find out if somebody's mapped this uh, at some point. But we don't... The Weasleys kind of exist, for the most part, 
as the we as the Weasleys we see, um, and we don't get a whole lot of their their background. I do think that we see a couple of um, maybe Elder Weasleys at an event later in the series, but I don't think that I still don't think that we get um, a bunch of of history about them. Um, they were included in the Sacred 28 list published in the Pure Blood Directory by the 1930s. Well, that's a good time to have your Pure Blood documented. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm not, I'm not seeing a whole bunch of information about them um, until we get to kind of the current Weasleys. Just sort of who, who they are. I think that they had more money until this current set of Weasleys, just by you know by dint of being a pureblood family. Yeah, Um, they've got a pretty impressive estate. They clearly have a history of money. We talked before about they come they come across as that category in English literature of the gentry on bad times. Yeah, they kind of down at heel, Um, and they also kind of feel like the second or third son of the second or third mm-hmm. son yeah. kind of family where, like, sure, they're related to gentry, but mm, not really. I mean, they're not really gentry anymore because they're, they're never going to inherit anything unless everybody dies and they don't care. It, it, it's mm-hmm. part of the reason I love creatures categories because even though they have fallen so low and from the perspective of their peers... He still places them in the category of blood traitors because they merit that. They are still purebloods, whatever else he wants to say about them, and they need to be recognized as such, even if, from his perspective, they are the ultimate traitors to his cause and cause and claim. Mm-hmm. BJ, um, I know that for for books and books now, this has been a constant source of questions, uh, but we've added on to it with something completely insane. The blank picture on the wall was now breathing very slowly and deeply as though its invisible occupant was asleep. Uh, what? So we have that that if somebody is painted in or a photograph taken of them, there's sort of some sort of simulacrum of them that in some way has some sentience. But Uh I'm, I'm sort of really curious what a blank picture on the wall means. Uh, like I can't conjure up something that's sensible like is it a blank canvas and there's just like a thing breathing in it It, it's kind of like a i don't know a doppelganger or something like that 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 just like has been forced to no longer occupy the uh the being Mm -hmm. that it tried to duplicate like what's going on here i yeah that's i honestly i don't know i had not picked up on that my like gut reaction is Given that we're getting it in this chapter when we are also getting all of these other like weird and dark family heirlooms is that this is something different um, than just, you know, a painting of somebody. Uh, That's that's about all I've got with it, because it is the only time we've had any sort of, let's say, wall hanging that actually has an effect on the physical world outside um, of... Um, and a follow-up, if somebody it's painted frame. Harry Potter with an invisibility cloak, or without, would he have his invisibility cloak, and would, would he be able to traverse paintings invisibly? 
So if somebody painted a portrait of Harry, like, holding his invisibility cloak. Like, I don't know if they need to, but, like, let's say they did, so it's definitely in there. Yeah. Or, you know, like, he's a disembodied head or whatever, obviously wearing his invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. Could he cloak and then wander wander the painted world? I think that he that must be possible because we have the example of the fat lady and her sort of painting friends who travel in and out of each other's paintings and get drunk on other people's wine. So I'm pretty sure that's a yes. I'm excited for painting wars. I feel like there have to be painting wars along with the wizarding world. I, if this fan fiction does not exist. (laughs) BJ, step up. We expect it. We we expect something of you here. We found your calling, BJ. By my own fan All of your questions will be answered, BJ. (laughs) In your own writing. By thine own hands. Uh, Is Gilderoy Lockhart's reputation still sound? He ended on a somewhat ambiguous note with him losing his member previously, and it still seems like that Molly Weasley still likes him, but is she representative of the rest of the wizarding world? He now fully fits the cute but dumb stereotype. (laughs) Uh Uh Uh-huh. This is true. That's a good question. I don't know to what extent the wider world knows what happened to him. It didn't seem like Harry leaked about him actually being, you know, a, 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 a fake. Or him... I don't... Yeah. Or him mind-wiping mi- so. wizards. And so, obviously... I mean, Molly knows what, what happened. But I don't think the wider world knows what happened. And while it is somewhat suspect that Molly still turns to Gilderoy Lockhart as the end-all, be-all for these things, we do know that the way that he... that. His remedies are not necessarily incorrect. He stole from the best. He just stole them from the best, yes. So maybe... I was going to say, he's almost like the Gwyneth Paltrow of... Oh God, there's never been a more apt comparison. (laughs) Well, I will never be able to see that character quite the same again. Oh boy. Uh, Other questions? No, I'm very done after that comparison. I'm going to (laughs) struggle with that one for a while. It, it truly, truly is. So, BJ, if you do not have any more questions... Um, I, I do not for this chapter, at least. Okay. Um, but I am excited to go on to uh, chapter seven, I think it is, with you guys. It is. Um, Spencer, I'm really curious what your take on this picture oh, is. Hold on, one second. So yes. the chapter title is The Ministry of Magic, as is makes sense, because we do know that we are going to the hearing tomorrow. I'm guessing that's a fountain of some kind. It looks like it might be a fountain, and it looks like it's a very oddly diverse collection of wizards and humanoids that are all there together in harmony. So this seems like a very political kind of fountain that's been put up to say that everybody's being friendly. And also, I will say, and and I am only slightly sorry about this, Sarah, that this does reaffirm the wands as something else in terms of like what a Roman fountain would be because the water is pouring out of their wand. Well, those of them that have wands. Yeah, it looks like, I mean, it looks like for the one on the lower right, it was, is that a goblin maybe? Uh, it looks like the water's actually coming out of his head. Yeah, I think that, I think there's a house elf and probably a goblin and I think it's the hats. Um, also, the thing all the way on the left is that an arrow? Uh, uh-huh. 
A centaur? Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a centaur. Oh yeah, I get it now. Yeah. Looks like water is coming okay. out of the arrow, yeah. 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 Well y'all I So anyway. I'm very much looking forward to going through chapter seven with y'all. I will be very curious to see whether Harry's extensive or non extensive trial prep will serve him well when it comes to the actual hearing. Or what even the actual hearing is will be, because we have about as much knowledge as Harry does at this point. But it's going to be a surprise for all of us, Spencer. <laughs> Regardless, it will be a blast to talk about it with y'all. Looking forward to it. Bye, guys. Bye.